It's that time once again, Suns Jamsters, for the Suns Jam Session podcast with John and Matthew. We appreciate you tuning in and pressing play. Make sure that you subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. Rate and review us. Uh, We are on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network. You can follow the show at Suns Jam on both Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Darth Voida, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matthew Lissy. How are you doing today, my friend? Hey, John, I'm doing good. How are you? You can follow me at Matthew Lissy, of course. What's going on? Not much. Just another day in the life. You know, we're recording this on Wednesday. It is officially July 1st. We have somehow, some way, got to July. Are you excited about that? Or what's up? Yeah, I love July. It's, it's super hot. And now we got, <laughs> <laughs> we think we have uh, some sports coming back. Uh, but besides that, I feel like we're on track to finish this year out. You think we'll make it to the end of the year? God, I hope so. I feel that with the spike in coronavirus cases everywhere, not just in the NBA or MLB, just everywhere you look, that spike is going up and everybody's starting to go, go back into kind of cautious mode. And somebody tweeted at me the other day. They said the only way to get over this virus is not to go around it is to go through it. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of an interesting way to say it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to see if the NBA continues to – go forth with operations and try to just go through it and say, Hey, some guys are going to get sick. They're going to get better. We're going to continue to play, but we've officially hit July, which means it's a chance for us to finally be in the month in which the Suns play basketball again. You know, it's only been since March. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what the NBA is going to do. They're going to go straight through it. And this was exactly, I feel like what they talk about in the meetings. They're like, how bad is this? Can we get through it without anybody passing away? Uh, Yes and yes. So that's mm-hmm. what they're going to do. Um, I think that they have quite the handle on things, and I think that they'll get through it just fine. And we got another month, but everything will go great, I think. I hope you're right, and I think you're right. So we got plenty to talk about on this podcast, including some of that. So remember, as always, to crack open a beer with me, unless you're driving and listening to this or you're at work and you're listening to this, or if you're just like hanging out with your family and you probably shouldn't be drinking with your family because you got a toddler and they're in the other room crying, stop listening to the podcast, go take care of your kid. Okay. But everybody else, I'm going to crack open a beer because that's what I do when I talk sons. So let me pop this bad boy open and let's talk some sons, baby. July 1st, which is kind of interesting. I was driving today and I was thinking about it. And this is typically the time of year in which the Suns are bringing out guys for free agency right before they reject us. And we're not going through that this year. No, we're not. And that's one thing I actually had a question for you too, is like when the new season starts and obviously I feel like even in the future after this next season, we'll probably end up starting the season in the NBA around December. Um, so do you think that really helps the Suns at all in any way? I feel like it might. But um, like you said, the free agents would come out here by now, which is disgusting. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I enjoyed it. I love Arizona. But um, do you think that even matters anymore? Do you think that is something that players, you know, the weather is a big thing, but then also it's so beautiful for, I mean, eight months out of the year. So do you think that helps the Suns? 
Yeah, I think when the su- the season goes into free agency right around October timeframe this year, I'm hoping that's the new norm because it's all about first impressions. You know, Scottsdale, Phoenix, the whole area already has a decent reputation as a fun city to live in if you're in your 20s. So that's going to be appealing to basketball players. But if you catch a flight to Phoenix on July 1st and you land at Sky Harbor Airport and you walk outside, you're instantly, your first impression of the desert is, fuck me, this is a desert. It is hot. It is arid. It is dry. I don't want to be here all the time. Now, granted, by the time the season comes around, typically it's nice out. It's October. The mornings are beautiful. The days are warm and and gorgeous. And that's how we kind of live through the NBA season. But free agency is such a valuable part of building a team. And typically, we haven't been able to pull in those big names. And I, I remember when LaMarcus Aldridge came out to Phoenix and we had the big billboard done in downtown Phoenix and the Suns were looking forward to getting him from Portland. And I just remember how utterly hot it was the day that he arrived. And I'm like, this can't be good. Yeah, but they have to have the inside info from other players and coaches just saying, you know, if you actually come here, because everyone lives, all the players live somewhere else too. You know, you can mm-hmm. have your other home somewhere else. So I feel like just being here during the season, you'll you'll find out how beautiful it is. And I think they know that. I hope so. You know, again, to answer your question, I absolutely think that it could do nothing but help. I don't yeah, think it, it hurts if free agency is in October. So yes. I think that's going to be fantastic for the Suns. The Suns also did something in free agency. They, they signed Cameron Payne. No yes. pain, no gain, baby. So everybody who's always pining and saying the Suns need a point guard <laughs> and we need to work on the point guard position, you get your wish. The Suns filled their final roster spot. They still have a two-way roster spot available, but they filled their final roster spot with Cameron Payne. Tell me what your initial thoughts are on him joining the team. It's what I predicted um, the Suns to do was just sign some guy from the G League, mm-hmm. which was Cameron Payne, and it's someone we never really even heard of. Uh, yep. It's someone that wasn't NBA two years ago, but last year he just disappeared into the into the G League. Uh, but I know, I guess from Monte's presser we'll talk about in a little bit, he's very high in this guy and believes he'll be he should be in the NBA. So he's going to give him a chance to compete with these guys. Uh, of course, it doesn't really fill the need of what you would like a backup two guard that can score. Uh, other needs like Kelly Oubre missing. So we need to fill that spot. But of course we get the point guard that's six, three weighs under 200 pounds. Uh, someone that probably has a lot to prove, but someone that Monte likes. So that's the only good I can take from it is it's someone that catches a coach's eye. Well, he's left-handed. He's got that going for him. You know? Yeah. No, that's always a plus, man. And he's it got really a good is. nickname, Campaign, Cameron yeah, Payne, they call, Campaign. Yeah, they call him Pam, or not Pam, they call him Pam, <laughs> which is going to be very, very confusing to me. Oh, I know. Now we got two Camerons on the team, so yeah. that, that'll, be, that'll be fun. It's an okay pickup in my perspective. You know, Monty reminded us that he's coached him before in Oklahoma City, so he's definitely high on him. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how many minutes he actually gets if he's – being brought onto the team as kind of one of those reserve guys in case one of your point guards gets coronavirus and you need to utilize him for minutes, or you actually have a game plan on bringing him in for extended periods of time because he did get signed through the end of next season. That was the interesting part to me. This wasn't a signing for just eight days and potentially a playoff run. This is like, hey, we're going to sign you for the end of the season and next season, knowing that Elia Kobo is – not guaranteed next year knowing next year Javon Carter is a restricted free agent it really can go a couple different ways it can say hey this is Monty talking to James Jones and saying hey this is this is my guy 
Okay, Javon Carter, that's somebody that you brought in. Elliot Kobo, that's somebody who was drafted before you got here. This is my guy. Let me bring him in to either keep on the team or maybe motivate Carter and a Kobo. So what do you think of campaign and how many minutes he's going to actually see in Orlando? Oh, I don't think he's going to see much. It's because you're actually, like he said, you're going to go there to try to win these games. And we have to play with what we already know. I feel like we kind of built something a little bit coming off the bench. Uh, we found out with the uh, C4. I always forget this dude's name. What? <laughs> Javon Carter? <laughs> Javon Carter. I can never, from the from the beginning of this season, I can never remember Javon Carter's name. I don't know why. But anyways. It's uh, because at the very beginning of the season, when I saw him, I said, he's, he's C4 now. He's C4. Cause, so cause, I think that's stuck in my head. It's stuck yeah. in your head. So you're like, I don't know yep. his name. I just know him as C4 because he's dynamite. Yeah. So I can't remember his actually true <laughs> God-given name. Uh, but he uh, he deserves, of course, a backup role. But I feel like, you know, they have a game. But they're going to start practicing 5-on-5. I think they said July 13th. Like they're able to actually do mm-hmm. five on five. That's not enough time really get everyone to get this guy acquainted in the offense. So you're not going to see a whole lot of them. I don't think, but like you said, great point. Like next year, we're going to need someone to back up Rubio because Elio Kobo won't be here. And Javon Carter probably won't be here either. So we need this guy probably for next year. And you look at Cameron Payne's career and the best year that he had was a couple seasons ago. He had 23 minutes a game coming off the bench and only played in 25 games for the Chicago Bulls. And he had 4.5 assists and 8.8 points. Uh, He's been playing overseas and been playing pretty well in the G League earlier this year. He came back and he's playing for uh, a team in Texas and was actually scoring 23 points a game. So he does have somewhat of an explosive offensive skill set. But again, as we said, 6'3", 190, so he's under 200 pounds. So he's somebody who could potentially – get hurt under the basket. He just doesn't carry that weight to him. So he's not somebody who's mm-hmm. going to go down there and try to force the issue. He's more of that distributor type, which I feel like we already tried to have in Elliot Kobo. And that's why I'm more of a fan of Javon Carter. Cause he's a little bit more of a bulldog. He can shoot, yes. you know, shooting is something that Cameron Payne could excel at. You know, he's a 33% shooter from downtown and a 39% shooter overall in his career uh, of short career, but still, Uh, I think it's a decent addition. And I I like the fact that it's a Monty guy, you know, it's somebody who Monty Williams is a big fan of, and he pretty much is just saying, Hey, James Jones, take a flyer. And I like the fact that there's that trust there. And James Jones like, okay, I'll take a flyer on your boy. We'll see how he does. Yeah. I don't remember the last time we really added a player and we heard it was like a coach's player. You know what I mean? Like this really has never happened. I feel like for the Suns in a while. So that was very strange to hear, honestly, to have a coach comment on a player coming in saying that it's his kind of guy. So yep. we'll see how he does, man. I'm, I'm actually kind of excited to see him. So All right, so let's do, a, let's do a little bet, okay? Okay. He, in his career, has wore the number 22 on two different teams and the number three on his most recent stint in the NBA, which was 2019 with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Okay. Let's do a lunch bet, Okay. What number is he going to wear as a member of the Phoenix Suns? Because so far, I haven't seen it released anywhere. I think he's going to be number um, – let's see what's available. <laughs> I would say probably uh, – I'm going to say like number 18. Or is that even available? Yeah, that, that's available. I'm going to go 18. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's hard with the Suns. You have to kind of remember from 2K what you're allowed to wear yeah. because you have nothing 1 through 10 basically and then a bunch of crappy numbers. So I'm going to go 18. Okay, I'm going to predict that he takes Tyler Johnson's number and wears number 16. Okay, 
All right, so there you go. You're saying 18, I'm saying 16. If it is one of those, it's a lunch bet. If it's neither of those, we don't know each other anything. All right? All right. All right. Sounds, Sounds like a good, good. That's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually excited now. <laughs> well, one thing that I wasn't excited about was, once again, hearing Stephen A. Smith go oh, on yeah. yesterday, I believe it was on First Take, where he was talking yes. about how Dev Booker should be a member of the New York Knicks, and he needs to be in a big city to be appreciated and recognized. Uh, tell me what your initial thoughts are on this. Um, initial thoughts were like, I thought it was from last year because Stephen A basically had the same take and I feel like they come out of nowhere. I, I know we're, uh, it's very minimal what we can talk about right now. There's not a whole lot going on, but I don't even know how Booker really comes up in to question whether or not, whether or not he wants to leave. And you brought up good points too, earlier on the podcast where you say like he never, he never mentions wanting to leave Phoenix Booker doesn't, mm-hmm. there's nothing that he's ever said to like actually have us ensue that he wants to leave. So for this to come up, I'm just, I'm kind of surprised again, but honestly, I'm not worried about it. Was this something like you're actually worried about? Never. It just gets kind of annoying to hear because like we're trying to build something over here and then people are just trying to tear us down. And I know it's not much, but we're going, we're definitely going up from what we were like the last 10 years. So annoying to you, right? Well, the... I got to drop the audio on this because every week we have a segment on the show called Dumb Trade of the Week. And that's what this was with Stephen A. Smith is he's trying to drum up some crap because he's a Knicks fan. Yeah. So he's trying to drum up some crap to try to put in people's heads that Devin Booker wants to leave. And then you start to see Sun's Twitter and Sun's Reddit and everybody's just like, well, whoa, why does Booker want to leave? He said he wanted out. And as, as most, most notably the – because I'll give Sun's Twitter – and Suns Reddit credit that they're typically educated fans. It's like the Suns Facebook pages where you start to see people be like, Oh look, Booker wants to leave. It's like, no, 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 no. Booker's never said anything like he wants to leave. It's the national media recognizing that Devin Booker is a prolific scorer and he's somebody that they want on their team. So they are creating that narrative. And it's interesting because we literally just talked about this. I want to say on the last podcast, if Mm -hmm. not, it was two podcasts ago, and uh, because we talk about the dumb trade of the week and it always involves Devin Booker for your entire organization. And it's not a narrative that truly exists. And then no sooner than we finish saying that on the last week's podcast, than two days later, Stephen A. Smith gets, you know, that minute soundbite that is being played over and over again on Twitter. And we have to see Devin Booker's highlights of him wearing those uh, old shitty Suns uniforms scoring 70 against the Celtics and talking about how yeah. great he is. It's like, you know, I just, I wish that uh, they just kind of quit doing that because they're trying to create a false narrative. And I, and I don't like those things because those are the kind of things that might end up resonating with the player. I don't know if Devin Booker was on Twitter that day. I don't know if he saw those things, but those are the kind of things that could start to resonate with him. I was watching the special on the 2010 decision with LeBron James and one, things that, mm-hmm. one of the things that he said was, you know, when people start to talk, you, you start to listen. And in his instance, people were talking about him moving to Miami was A, a good decision, and B, something he should broadcast in the manner that he broadcast it. But does it worry you, or do you think that Dem Booker might be hearing all this noise coming from the other room and might want to open the door and peek inside and see if it's actually worth merit? It would worry me if we had um, still an indecisive coach, if we had someone that wasn't in management position like uh, James Jones. If we didn't have those two, I feel like I would be worried. Uh, Even though we're very optimistic as Suns fans, 
it would get to a point if we had Kakashkov still, or, you know, if we're fumbling through coaches still, then yeah, it would worry me, but this doesn't, I feel like he hears it, of course, but I think he's really just focused on Phoenix and like from Monte's presser, he's really ready to go and prove something in the bubble. So I'm not, I'm not worried. This is kind of just something that was under the radar. That's why I kind of thought it was um, a little bit. I, that's why I thought it was from last year, just because yeah. I didn't hear such an uproar this time, but just well, that's, that's should that, mention it. No, I, I agree. And I think that's a great segue to Monty's presser because Monty met with the media today and covered a plethora of topics. One of them being Devin Booker. And one of the things he said is that he's had his own bubble where he's been working out with his dad and his brother during this entire coronavirus uh, quarantine. And he says he, that Booker wants to go to Orlando and cement himself at another level. And he mentioned that he made the all-star team and he's ready to be an all nba or uh, that, that that's going in, mm-hmm. on in Booker's head. Like that's the stuff I want to hear. You know, you're not seeing Stephen A. Smith talk about how Devin Booker is dedicated to his craft right now and how his goal going into the bubble is to try to get on the all NBA third team most likely. Yeah. So, I mean, that's exciting, right? No, it's very exciting. And for him to be focused on that is great. Cause like if he went to another team and he forces way out and he doesn't <laughs> get to those accolades that'd be even worse for him as a player to be like okay so everywhere you go you're going to be losing and you're not going to make all nba uh for that to be his goal and to do it on the suns is i think something really legitimate i think it's something he can achieve and i think that um there's an opportunity for us suns fans to witness something that we might not be ready for we might see a devin booker that is more of a leader that i wanted to see and also just how much can he improve on the offensive and playmaking end of the ball? Like, I just, I don't see how much more he could, but he could. And it's something that I'm excited to see, man. I'm so excited to see Devin Booker once that bubble Me starts. Too. I really am. I think that he's had time to step away from the game for a little bit and really kind of assess where he at, where he's at in his career and what he's accomplished and what he's accomplishing with this team. And to your point, you know, there's a culture now in Phoenix you know, with James Jones, with Monty Williams, with a structure around him, I think that it's something that he's probably excited for. And mm-hmm. that's why going to Orlando isn't about going and just trying to win a couple games. It's, it's about trying to put on a show for the entire NBA because the world will be watching. This is going to be a chance for everybody to see the Suns, kind yeah. of, because a lot of their games are like 1 in the afternoon, 4 p.m. Eastern time. But it's an opportunity for him to showcase to the world, like, hey, I'm a legit player, and I'm hoping that he takes this and runs with it. Yeah, I hope so, too. And by the way, I had the first five days off, requested off by me already <laughs> to watch basketball all day in my underwear, eating chicken wings, drinking wings, some beer, yes. chicken wings and beer, and then whoever comes over, just make sure you leave the clothes at the door. So, <laughs> so if you're doing wings, where is your wing spot? Where's my wing spot? Yeah, like where are you going to get your wings from? Oh, wing stop. So your wing it's spot always, is wing stop. It's always, yeah, wing stop. If I can, I just, you, you love wing stop too. We do, oh, yeah. we used to do the wing stop stuff with, uh, we used to eat it all the time watching games. Like that's, that's the best go-to, I think. It's delicious. Then you get like the cheese fries too. Yes. It's just like, it's like the perfect <laughs> yes. shitty meal. It's so good. Oh, I can't wait. There's a, there's a place over by my house called buffalo spot and it's pretty decent but they got good uh boneless wings just like buffalo wild wings i yeah. love buffalo wild wings boneless wings they're, they're like my favorite but if i'm gonna go bone in wings it's gotta be wing stop 
yeah, they do it perfect. I've never been there one time I had their food um, delivered and it's, they've always been perfectly like everything's accounted for everything's there. Everything tastes great. So this was a great plug for that place. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. I'm yeah. looking forward. So I got to check my clothes at the door. Okay. Note to self. Yep. All right. A couple other things that Monty Williams talked about in his press conference today with the media. Uh, one thing that really kind of, I was excited to hear about was Cam Johnson. Yes. And he was talking about how Cam Johnson is ready to go. You know, Monty said he was blown away by the physical improvements Cam Johnson's made since the shutdown. And it looked like, he added some muscle. So a yeah. player who is already fully confident in shooting the three ball and is six foot nine, and we've seen him dunk once, but he's taken it to the rim a little bit more around the end of the season. Yes. Now he's added some muscle. And remember, this is a guy, he's what, 24 years old, 23, 24. So he's already, yeah. yeah, he's already a mature player, but now he's had the time to dedicate to almost like an off season to to bulk up and it's going to be interesting to see him when they start up right it is especially hearing this you're going to expect something like right away something that you will notice and a bigger cam johnson is awesome because like you said he's been taking it to the rim a lot more he's been working i feel like on his iso game to where he can like make a move get around defender but finishing at the rim bulking up that way would help a lot so i'm excited for that he can already shoot from three of course but I just I love these players taking the time when they have the time to bulk up, work on their game, do whatever they can to improve to when they come back. It's something that is going to catch our eye. And this should be one of the first things we see is how big Cam is and how he like implements it into his game. Do you think that Monty talking up Cam as much as he did is a precursor to him perhaps taking over for Kelly Oubre in the starting lineup? Oh, maybe. Would you want to see that though? Like, would I mean, Saric, of course, I feel like he'll get the start, mm-hmm. right? He'll get the start maybe. But the thing is, like, you don't have to. If if Monte wants his guy, Cam Johnson, in the lineup, he just needs to put him in. Don't experiment at all with having Saric in there. Just do it right away. That way you have him from day one starting. Uh, what Do you see him starting? I would love to see Cam Johnson Me start. too. I would absolutely love to have Rubio, Booker, Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, and Ayton. I mean, yes. that is I'm, – I'm, I would be excited to see that lineup. Saric, you know what you're getting from him, and it's average, and that's okay. And you need that role player. But yes. if you have Cam Johnson, that's a guy who can spread the floor and hit those threes. And, yeah, he's put on a little weight, so maybe he could play a little bit – defense uh, uh some better defense yeah I, mean, I would be excited to see that now granted i don't know where the points are going to come from the bench because that's where cam johnson greatly assists the suns was you know just have having the ability to give you some points when booker isn't on the floor but i don't care i just want to i'd like to see that lineup once or twice when they yeah. go to orlando i think so too and the more minutes he gets I, I like him coming off the bench but i feel like coming off the bench maybe he's not the best player coming off the bench i want to see him in the starting role because it's always a big difference between players coming off the bench and starting if he gets like those 10 extra minutes maybe it'll help him improve his shot even though he's like a, one of the best shooters in the league and just improve his game to work on you know down low with the big muscles now mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, i'm excited <laughs> Uh, One other thing I wanted to mention from the press conference that Monty Williams had was he said that he's watched the game earlier in the season when the Suns played the Wizards more than he should. And he watched a lot of Dallas and the Clippers too. And those are the first three games of the season. Uh Are you excited because you think Monty's been spending time preparing properly? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's exciting to hear. Um, 
I just said the players, you know, they took the time and they had the time and the, the coaches too. And I don't, I don't mean to keep going back to Amina Hassan, but he was always, he was talking about today on the podcast, just what the coaches were talking about back then, like the 2009, 2010 season. And you just forget how in depth they are and how we, for some reason, like when you think of a coach, do you think of them like as a, just a hard shell that doesn't really think or like make any adjustments or something? For some reason, I always think that with coaches. So I like to hear what they're actually thinking and what they're doing with these press conferences. We get that with Monte. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Like I always just think of them like, especially Kokoshkov or any coach before. Well, yeah, it's just to, like to, so to much, that point. Yeah. It's just like, uh, Jay Triano, I feel like there weren't a lot of adjustments made. And even Monty Williams, I feel like a lot of the adjustments that we've talked about numerous times on the podcast during the season weren't really occurring. And yeah. I'm hoping that because he's had this break, he's not, he's had an opportunity to kind of look at that. Hell, maybe he's listened to the podcast or read some of our articles and now he's going to make proper adjustments to help the team win come the fourth quarter. Yes. And yeah, I hope so, man. It's not just like our stuff. It's, it's everybody. I feel like we're all in this together. We're almost like the same when it comes to a Suns fan, we have the same exact uh, things that we expect from this team. Yep. That's All correct. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next thing I want to talk about is NBA 2K, man. 2K21 yeah. is coming out. And they're starting to release their cover athletes. They've released two so far. So you have Dame Lillard and mm -hmm. Zion Williamson. So the question is, who do you think the final cover athlete will be? Now, granted, I think it'll probably be released before this podcast is even probably, done being yeah. recorded. It's probably being released as we talk. Yeah. But tell me what you're thinking. Who are the candidates? Let's go through this. This could be fun. So when they, yeah, when they released Damien, I was thinking outside the box, a lot of players, but then they did Zion. So now I'm thinking it's going to be Doncic. I think hey. it's going to be Doncic and it's going to suck. I'm not going to buy that cover, of course, <laughs> but um, I think it's Doncic for sure. Um, I was thinking maybe Kobe, they would do another Kobe one. And I thought he would be like the only cover athlete, but who do you think would be on the front cover? For this year's well Doncic was my number one yeah and for the same reason be, yeah. I thought I thought Dame Lillard okay you're going for all-star Zion Williamson okay now you're going for face of the the league I was thinking John Morant but I'm like okay you already Ooh, took somebody good. from that draft class so here are my top three guys that I thought could be on the cover number one for me is Luka Doncic just makes sense. He's kind of the darling of the NBA that we've, we've even talked about it uh, yeah. at nauseum, how annoying it is. You'll get an update if he dribbles the ball down the court successfully. Uh -huh. uh, whereas other guys are hitting game winning threes. They're like, Oh, Doncic set a pick. You know, it's like for some reason, the NBA and Bleacher Report, they just, they love Doncic. So I can totally see him being the cover athlete for that reason. Number two is Kawhi Leonard. I could see Kawhi being on the cover because in my opinion, he's, Probably the second best player in the NBA, maybe the first. Well, Giannis is the first. I think it goes Giannis, Kawhi, AD, LeBron. That's probably how I'd put my top four. So of those guys, I'm pretty sure Anthony Davis has already been on the cover. Giannis, has Giannis been on the Giannis hasn't been on any covers. Yeah, he was this year's. Yeah, for, he was this for year's. For 2K? No, he wasn't. Yeah, because they, the, yeah, they had the two different ones. So they had like the LeBron edition. Yeah. And then they had the, the regular edition for 60 bucks. That was, that was Giannis. Oh, I had uh, the D-Wade edition. 
D Wade edition. Yeah, there's a 2K20 oh. D Wade because D Wade never goes away. Uh, so I had his edition. So okay, so Giannis is so there you go. Giannis hasn't been on it. LeBron ha- or Giannis has been on it. Yes, yeah. LeBron has been on it. AD's been on it. So Kawhi's the only one of the elite players who has yet to be on 2K. He could be the number two prospect for that final cut. Uh huh. And it was, I'm sorry, Giannis was on 2K19, so that was two years ago. Oh, okay, that's why, yeah. that's why. Yeah. And then number three, Devin Booker, baby. I think Devin yeah. Booker's got a shot. <laughs> why not, man? He's an all-star now, so he qualifies. Yeah. Good-looking dude, got a sick jump shot, you know. He's got a lot of really good pictures of him, just kind of like standing there, not yelling at his fellow teammates. I don't know. So those are my yeah. three. Those are okay. my three. Luka <laughs> <laughs> Doncic, Kawhi Leonard, or Devin Booker? Man, if it was Booker, um, that would be amazing. I don't feel like he's earned it yet. So if if it was him, I'd be like, ah, I don't know. I would kind of be like, eh. Because everyone would be like Devin Booker. Like he was a 72 last year. So you know what I mean? Yeah, true. I'd, <laughs> I'd go buy that thing instantly though, man. I would, yeah. Definitely, yeah, I definitely would. Here's another thing I want to talk about. This actually came out last week, but we had so much to talk about uh, with the Suns schedule coming out. We didn't get a chance to fit in our last podcast. And that was about Lonzo Trier. He's actually been waived by the Knicks, and I thought that was really interesting because he was a great energy guy. He was an undrafted free agent out of the University of Arizona, and they signed him on a 10-day contract. They ended up keeping him, and he had a decent performance while playing with the Knicks. His first year there, he averaged 10 points and three rebounds and two assists coming off the bench. And then he played for 24 games this season. They just stopped playing him. And then a couple weeks ago, they actually released him. So tell me, what are your thoughts on Lonzo Trier? And is he somebody that the Suns should add to their roster potentially next year, seeing as the window has closed for adding players to this year's roster? I honestly think uh, he's had such a weird career in New York. Um, the first thing I think of the Lonzo Trier is – it's kind of like the eye test with him where I watch him and I, I see him being an NBA player, like as someone that can actually um, bring a lot to a team. And I don't know what happened in New York, but everyone, you know, I feel like every player, anybody that's associated with New York, the Knicks, like everyone's like, I don't know what's going on there. So it's probably more of that, but this would be great. And especially with the U of A with him and, um, DeAndre Ayton, I think wasn't DeAndre Ayton when he was, after he was picked in the draft, didn't he want the Suns to take Trier? he was saying, oh, take Alonzo Trier right here? I think so. And they ended up going with a Kobo. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. So that would be great for that reason. I mean, you've always liked him though, right? Yeah, because his days at U of A, he was a really good player. I mean, his freshman year, he averaged uh, 14 points, almost 15. His next year was 17. Then 18 points and three assists and three rebounds in his junior year at U of A. And I thought of that, you know, he was coming out and I'm – it sucked because I was like, you know, I'm not a U of A lover in any way, shape, or form. But yeah. I, I, of college basketball, I see them the most uh, just because they're typically nationally ranked. And you're like, okay, they're from Arizona, so I'll watch them. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I liked Alonzo Trier a lot as a college player. And then same thing. When I watched him play with the Knicks, I was impressed. I was like, hey, this guy is somebody who is an NBA player. He's not necessarily somebody who is – a starter in the NBA. I just think he lacks the size, you know, he's six, four, 200 pounds. So he's not somebody who's going to be a starter, but he's a great come off the bench guy. And I think that the Suns could benefit by adding him. As we were talking about earlier, the thing I always say is they need depth at the two guard position. Zoe Trier can provide that to you. And I'm actually kind of disappointed. They didn't pick him up uh, 
for the Orlando bubble, just so we can see a little preview of him. I mean, why not? It doesn't hurt. Yeah. Uh, but he's somebody who was very highly recruited coming out of high school in Nevada uh, and somebody who I think that would fit pretty nicely with the Suns and you could get him for a really good price. Yeah, you definitely can. But like I said, it's just weird seeing him leave and then uh, just no, no real interest or no one really talking about anybody having interest in him. Um, but when I watch him, I swear there's something there. There's something there, like kind of like the Shea Gilders Alexander thing I was talking about, just like the eye test to where you watch this guy. And I'm not sure what it is. I swear. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like this guy belongs in the league still. Yeah, he's a good basketball player. He's got the fundamentals down. He knows how to play defense. Not exceptional, but he's when, yeah, when he's, rotations happen, he's in the right place. When it comes to running the pick and roll or being on the floor, like I feel like he's just in the right place. And that's a good exactly. just quick eye test of Zoe Trier. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll see what happens though, man, because we're gonna need some point guard. Point guard. We need uh, a point guard. Point gamble. God. We need some point guard depth. That's what we need. Yeah, I don't know where some, that came from. I don't know either because I, <laughs> I think we need shooting guard depth. So yeah, yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, good thing you got a podcast. Yep. <sighs> Give me the big bucks, baby. Making the big bucks. Well, a guy who made his big bucks throughout his career officially retired a week ago, and that was Vince Carter. He officially is done after 22 years. Mm -hmm. uh, it sucks to see Vince go the way that he did, you know, seeing as there was no proper send-off due to the coronavirus. He was on the Atlanta Hawks, so it's not like he was going to get a playoff run and, you know, one last bow. But there would have been something nice kind of at the end of the season to pay tribute to Vince and everything that he did for the game and all the highlight dunks and everything and uh. being a member of the Suns. With him retiring, it's officially the end of an era. There are no more players drafted in the 1990s left in the NBA. How does that make you feel? I would say it kind of makes me feel old, but going over these players, it's like I feel like I miss a lot of their primes when they were great. I mean, I was still watching basketball, but I didn't get to experience with, like, my full brain, you know? I mean, we don't use our full brain, but I didn't have the, <laughs> the stuff that was, like, I can use <laughs> from my brain wasn't there yet. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> these guys in the 90s going over the list, like, a lot of guys I wish I could experience was like the Allen Iversons. Um, I wish I can remember watching him play because I feel like he was so underrated now when people talk about these players that have retired and who's just going missed. Allen Iverson always comes up a lot. Um, so I wish I could see him play now, but the guy that I miss the most probably and the guy that was my favorite other than Steve Nash. Well, that's my next question. Who's your favorite player drafted in the 90s not named Steve Nash? It would be uh, Kobe Bryant, definitely. Only because his his career was so long, and you got to see a lot of the greatness. Like with Shaq, it's like, yeah, he was great, but like I still don't remember too much of him being so dominant. Like mm -hmm. I don't remember those days too much. To where when he came to Phoenix, of course, wasn't great. But even like KG, same thing there. Kevin Duncan, really long career, but you hate that guy. Paul Pierce never liked that guy. It's, so I'm uh, gonna have it's Tim I'm Duncan. Gonna, what did I call him? He called him Kevin Duncan. Kevin Duncan. Man. <laughs> yeah, so I would I would definitely choose uh, if I could rewatch Allen Iverson, but my favorite player is definitely Kobe. That's yours too, right? No, no. I respect the hell out of Kobe Bryant. I always have. Never liked him. He was a Jordan wannabe, man. I loved Michael Jordan. I'm like, I didn't want anyone to come near Michael Jordan. 
And then you had Kobe Bryant, who literally patterned everything he did after Michael Jordan. He Smart. shot the jump shot like him, played with the same tenacity that he did, and then he played for the Lakers. So I was not a big Kobe fan. Uh, I would probably say my favorite player drafted in the 90s, not named Steve Nash, uh, was Sean Marion, just because he was drafted in 99. But that's too easy of a cop-out. So I am going to go with Allen Iverson. I absolutely loved watching Allen Iverson. I remember I watched him at Georgetown, just so goddamn quick. His crossover, he would just break guys' ankles left and right, and you never really thought it would translate to the NBA as well as it did. And unfortunately, the back end of his career, he ended up in a couple situations, both in Denver and in Detroit, where it just wasn't uh, a good place for him to kind of ride out his career. But those few years in Philly, especially the front end of his career in Philly, were just so much fun to watch. Do you remember any of those years? Like, do you remember when, when do you really start to remember basketball as something you watch regularly and, and could recognize what was going on? Cause like I watched Jordan back in 88, but I only was like, Oh, that guy's flying through the air. It wasn't until about 1990, 1989. Yeah. When yeah. I really started not that right then I'm seven years old, but that's when I really started to kind of understand the game of basketball and had, and understood why they were so special. When was it that when did that kind of happen for you? It would have to be around 99, 2000, of course, but it was more of like, you know, a big Suns fan always. I would only watch the Suns. So gotcha. watching these guys, of course, you could, didn't have the access you have now watching these guys play. So, of course, I would watch the finals between the Sixers and the, and the Lakers, but it was always blowouts. It wasn't really like me. I, I would kind of ignore them to the point to where I was thinking, you know, these are just going to be blowouts. The Lakers are going to win, so I wouldn't watch them. So that's the way I was when I was younger, which sucks because there's so many players, especially in their prime, that were playing in the finals and in the playoffs that I could have watched and enjoyed, but I was just more focused on the Suns. Uh, so I would say 99, 2000, where I started to under, really understand basketball. And then, of course, in the 2003, 2004 season when Nash came aboard, that's when I really got into it. So that makes sense why Kobe – is your favorite guy drafted from the nineties. Cause I mean, he was great as a young player, won three championships, but he really started to take over the Lakers right around that time frame, And that was the yeah. primary, one of the rivals of the sun. So you got to see him up close and personal. Okay. Yeah. Just, but I like to text, but I love how you talked about, um, he, you know, bases game off the of Jordan, which was very, very smart. And no one really knew that the relationship he had with Jordan until he passed away. Yeah. But, um, I just for some the thing is with me I just enjoy these players whether they play for the Lakers or not uh, especially if they're putting everything they have into playing the game so sorry man I know it's because he's a Laker and all that stuff but I still love to watch him play I don't know why oh it's all good man I mean again I like I said I completely and utterly respect Kobe Bryant uh, I just wasn't ever really a fan of Kobe Bryant yeah understood. The next thing I want to talk about is uh, something that actually Dave Queen, Dave Queen. <laughs> oh man, I hope, he's not, that I, I, I hope he doesn't hear this one. <laughs> Dave King from Bright Side of the Sun. He, oh, uh, he's never heard that before. Huh? Yeah, I'm sure he hasn't. I'm sure he hasn't. But he tweeted out, he said, <laughs> Suns fans, do the Suns have a true rival? And if so, which team? And then he gave the Lakers, the Spurs, the Mavericks, or some other team as options. Uh-huh. The winning team was the Lakers with 47.4%. You had the Spurs with 41.1%. The Mavericks with 5.7%. And some other team 
uh, with 5.8%. And that's on a total of 1,291 votes. Do you yeah. agree with what the majority says at the Lakers at 47.4%? No, no, no. What are no, your I thoughts? Don't. I do not. Okay. I do not. The reason uh, – Who like would the you co- vote for? I would vote for the Mavericks, definitely. There's more hate. There's more of the rival that's going to happen. It's even started this last two years with the mm-hmm. Mavericks, I think. It's like I don't want to be any other team more than the Mavericks. So that would be more of like a rival thing, right? Especially when you're winning half and half. The Lakers are too good. It's kind of like arguing whether the, the Cardinals and Cowboys had a rival, even though the Cowboys always beat the Cardinals. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, they yeah. were never on their level. It would, That was more of like uh, kind of like just the fans being annoying at the games. It was like full of Cowboys fans. I think that was why it was a rival. But that's the same thing with the Lakers. A lot of Lakers fans. So I would not go there at all. I mean, who would you choose from this? Was there another team you had in mind? No, I think those are the best three right there. I think that – the Spurs are something that will always be a pain in my side. You know, the Lakers, mm-hmm. I, I get it. It's, it's, a, the, it's the natural geographical rival of the Phoenix Suns. And you have a lot of Los Angeles people out in Arizona because they know that the cost of living is cheaper here and it's better to live here. And I, I do understand that it's a rivalry in which there's been a lot of back and forth. You know, you look at the total number of games played between these two franchises, 252. And the Lakers have won 145. The Suns have won 107. So from that standpoint, it's more one-sided for the Lakers. And then you look at kind of the playoffs. And the Suns have won 24 of the 62 games in which they've played. Yeah. So it's almost it's kind of lopsided there, you know. They've met the playoffs numerous times. And the Suns didn't win their first series against the, uh, the Lakers in the playoffs until 1990. They met in 1970, 1980, 1982, 1984, 1985, 1989. Lakers won all those series. And then in 1990, they beat them, and they beat them again a couple times. Then it was kind of back and forth through what I really remember. But you look at the totality of it. The Lakers, I just – I understand the geographical reason why they're a rival, but for me, they're a team that it's, it's almost feels kind of one-sided. I feel the same way with the Spurs, the Spurs. I could go through the statistics, but we all know for the entire decade of the 2010s, the Suns couldn't beat the Spurs until 2010. It was a very one-sided rivalry. And for that reason, I just don't think that it's much of a rivalry that you want to reminisce upon because you never win. Now you look at the Mavericks, okay? And this is where I, I agree with you. I think the Mavericks are my favorite rivalry, at least out of these two teams. You look at the playoff all-time record, they've only played a total of 12 playoff games against each other, okay? Mm-hmm. The, the 2005 Western Conference semifinals and the 2006 Western Conference finals. They're 6-6. Six and six. The Suns won it in 05. The Mavericks beat them in 06, okay? You look at the history of – uh, the franchises they played 160 games the Suns have won 86 Dallas has won 74 so they're a team that's broken my heart and trust me with them taking out Joe Johnson and breaking his orbital bone back in the 05 Western Conference semis and that led to us eventually losing to the uh, the San Antonio Spurs but it's a it's a team that I feel like we have a shout against and they've won some and we've won some and now take it to your point the next decade it's going to be Maz versus Suns it's going to be Aiton versus Doncic. It's always going to be there until they're traded away and go off to other teams. They're the team that 
is always kind of right where we're at. The only difference between them and us is they actually pulled it off in 2011 and won a championship. Yeah. But it's totally believable too, because this is something that I feel like the media will be talking about the next couple of years. Right now, no one really knows. I mean, of course they know. I don't even know, actually. Does everyone know that DeAndre Ayton went number one and then Doncic <laughs> was in the same draft class as him? Well, I like, feel bad I don't know for Bagley and the that. Kings, man. I mean, they... Oh, yeah. They made <laughs> it better the for us. So. <laughs> I know. But if you would have went to the Kings, man. Oh, my voice cracked. Uh, anyways, yeah. Kings suck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... Well, but I, that's another one I feel is another rivalry in the making is the Kings. Yeah. Because they're a team that's been shitty just like we have for at least 10 years. I mean, there's only two teams in the NBA right now who have playoff droughts in double digits. The Knicks have seven. Every other team has four years since they've made the NBA playoffs. The Suns haven't made it in 10. The Kings haven't made it in 14. So we've just been hanging out playing like shit for 10 years. Yeah. I feel like both teams are on the rise too. I feel like Vlade Divac and what he's been doing in Sacramento, they're kind of adopting the same philosophy that the Suns are. And they're like, listen, we're not, we're tired of trying to build through the draft. We're going to start to bring in some veteran players around a couple of really good draft picks that we have. Cause they got De'Aaron Fox and they got uh, Marvin Bagley. And they're like, you know what? Now we just need to put, you know, quality veteran guys around them and good things will start to happen. So who do they get? Like Rashawn Holmes and Alex Len. Good luck with that. Kingies. <laughs> So. Yeah, but also, too, you can have the rivalry between Josh Jackson and uh, De'Aaron Fox going for the next five years. It's going to be great with the Suns. And- well, yeah, Josh Jackson. Ha, 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 <laughs> ha. Yeah, that's Memphis now, buddy. It's Memphis and the Kings. But that's another team that's just like the Suns. It we're, is. We're all like Memphis. In my opinion, it's Memphis, the Suns, and uh, the Kings are all on like kind of the same level. And we all have really good young talent right now. And as the elder statesmen in the NBA start to fade into the sunset, we have an opportunity to kind of take the, the helm. The only yeah. challenge is going to be the money that the Lakers and the Clippers and these organizations are going to spend to keep themselves revitalized and uh, relevant. Yeah, but the older are getting better, so it's tough. <laughs> yeah. It's, They're still sitting there. Ooh, hey, I got a dumb trade of the week. That just came in via at protected pick on Twitter. You want to hear this one? What's up? What happened? This is between the Pacers and the Suns. The Indiana Pacers receive Ricky Rubio, Mikel Bridges, and our 2020 first round pick top three protected. So that could be potentially a, the number 10th overall pick, but this is top three uh, protected. The Suns yeah. receive Victor Oladipo. Okay. Thoughts. Wait, so Booker's not involved in that trade at all? No. No? Victor Oladipo, of course. I love that dude. I know he's hurt, but... But but it's... You have Booker and you have Oladipo. And Oladipo's not hurt anymore. He's playing well again. Is he? Yeah. I don't even think he's going to be in the bubble, though. No? No, I don't think so. Um... But anyways, uh, I like that guy. But at first I said yes. But when you have to put in Mikel Bridges, that's kind of like the deal breaker though, right? Yeah, a little bit me. just because you're putting him in too. If it was Ricky Rubio and a pick for Olin Depot, I feel like that's kind of like more of like a fair trade. I would not give up Mikel Bridges though for that. So never mind. I don't like that one at all. Yeah, I don't like it because we give up Mikel Bridges and Victor Oladipo as much as I thoroughly enjoy watching him play. It's kind of – I don't see where, how he fits next to Booker necessarily. Like, I'd rather have more – if I'm going to go that route, I'd rather go the Bradley Beal route than going Victor Oladipo, especially given his recent injury. That's something that can linger. So, 
Mm-hmm. And just giving up Mikael Bridges, that's like the one thing you can't do to Suns fans. Now, you throw, you tell me Ubre. Oh, I'm there. Oh, yeah, Ubre yeah. automatically. How Boom. did I forget about that guy? Just kidding. <laughs> how, did, how did we not mention trading him we, once oh, on this podcast man. yet? Oh, dude, it's been how long have we been in this podcast? 50 minutes? And we just now talked about him being Jeez. traded? What kind of guys are we? What kind of Suns fans it, it, are we? It's so horrible, too, because we love him so much, but it just always makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Are dude. You, you wanted to do a couple mailbag questions yeah, from the Suns the, Jamsters? Oh, two newcomers, huh? Look at this. Yes. Two new guys. All right. All right. First up, from Jonathan Che. As Vince up, Carter announces his retirement last week, what is your favorite all-time Vince Carter moment? I don't have one. Really? I'm sorry. No, I don't really have one. Do you one. remember I mean, him playing for the Suns? You know, I do remember him playing. I don't have a favorite moment, though. I mean, I don't know who you really slept with backstage, but I don't have a favorite moment. I, I just remember, of course, just the highlights of him, like, dunking and all that. Of course, like, the big dunks, you know. I sound like such a child trying to describe this. <laughs> yeah, he had those, those big dunks. I just – I don't have a favorite moment. I don't. I mean, like, what's yours? It's got to be the slam dunk contest where he was throwing reverse yeah. 360s and putting his hand halfway down the rim. You know, and just kind of doing the it's over. You know, it's it's his most famous highlight, but it was also his coming out party. I mean, Vince Carter, though, as a member of the Suns, he's somebody who I thoroughly enjoyed on the team because he brought that veteran presence to a team that definitely needed it back when he was on the team. So Vince Carter, great player. Yes. Phenomenal watch. What a uh, never want. I never heard him complain no, about not, anything. Not I just a whiner. Love the game. What you a know, great guy. He played on a bunch of teams. You know, he went to the finals with the Nets, and then he was in Orlando. I mean, he's been all over the yeah. place, and he's playing out in in Atlanta. And he's a guy who could have been like, "Hey, it's my last season. Trade me. Put me in a playoff contention." No, just kind of came out. Yeah, and did his job, and that's what. Would you rather got. have Vince Carter just you know play out his career, never complain? Do you want somebody? you know, that's complaining and just fighting for some respect and all that, like Sean Marion. Who would you rather have? Sean Marion. Okay. Every day and twice on Sundays. Okay. <laughs> no, but I don't like complainers, though. I really – it's like, you know, hashtag do your job. I don't like the Patriots at all, at all in any way, shape, or form. The Patriots? But you got to respect that's – you know, do your job is their mantra. And Yeah, do your job. We'll cheat a little bit. Not enough <laughs> to really, like – you know, have our Super Bowl trophies taken away, yeah, but just, just enough to win them. Yeah, just enough to get a slap on the wrist every now and then. You yes, know. But they do it hit, perfectly. But don't hit my wrist with all my rings on it, okay? Because it's going to yeah. be weighted down. Exactly, dude. All <laughs> right, so one more, one more question? Yeah, one more question off the mailbag. And again, Jamsters, you can send these to session at gmail.com. We will read them. And if you're lucky enough... We will talk about them on the show. We will read them because we don't get that many yet. So <laughs> you will be on the show. All right, I'll, you, I'll take this take one. Take it, take it. So this one's from shillpadhop8 at Gmail. We'll, someday we'll figure out what the hell that means. I'm sure it has a word. <laughs> it's something about us. I don't know. I'm just insecure. <laughs> so start bench cut, Sun's best shooting guards. All right, little game. So you got Devin Booker, Walter Davis, Iso Joe Johnson, Paul Westfall, which one would you start? Which one would you bench? And which one would you cut? Only three options this time. Okay, not four. I know that la- last time the yeah, Sh- Pad Hoppe uh, asked this question, it was about power forwards. Tricky. Yeah, and then there was there was the trade one as well. So, yeah. Uh, well, f- here's my first question for you, Matthew. Are these the best yeah, shooting guards in Suns history? 
I was thinking that too. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. It would have to be though, right? Or who are we missing from this list? Well, I mean, Dick even Van, with the Steve Nash. Oh, sorry. Like, like well, I was gonna say like Dick Van Arsdale. I mean, he was yeah. kind of a point guard, but he was kind of uh, a two guard as well. Yeah. Um, Dan Marley was kind of a two guard. He he played the was he okay. well, but he he played a two. Uh, Jeff Hornacek. That's oh, the big one. Underrated that, one. Yeah, he's the big one who on my list who didn't make this one. I'd say yeah. probably him and Eddie Johnson. Okay. Yeah, so. poor Eddie Johnson. I would definitely bench him if he was on there. <laughs> <clears throat> but who would you out of this list? Who would well, you, you got to start Walter Davis in my opinion. He okay. is the greatest Suns scorer in the history of the Suns. Uh, Booker someday, like we said, he'll be there, and I he, he's close. I mean, I was looking at his yeah, stats. He he, he's, I think, number three all-time in Suns points per game for their career. Can you tell me who the top two are? Yeah. Oh, I don't think you can, but go for it. So the first one is um, Amari Stoudemire. Nope. And the second one is? Charles Barkley. <laughs> That's correct. Charles is, is number it? two okay. on the list. Who's number yeah, one? He, KJ? Yeah. No, number one is Charlie Scott. Charlie Scott. Charlie Scott played for the Suns for, I want to say, two to four seasons, and he averaged 24.8 points per game. Then Barkley averaged 23 and some change. That's the highest? Damn, yeah. Well, but for an entire career, it makes sense. Yeah, that is. You know, and sense. like Booker's yeah. at 22, and you got to realize the first two years of the season or yeah. his career, he wasn't averaging that much. Oh, okay. And I was Char- first season. Charles came in in his prime, and yeah. he only averaged that much. But that being said, uh, Walter Davis, I think he was like number 10. Okay. Uh, and Booker's already is already at number three in points per game, which again is impressive. So he's my bench. Booker's my bench. And then I am cutting ISO Joe Johnson. Paul Westfall, I'm not doing anything with you. I'll let you hang out and you can become the coach one day. You know, that's good, man. I just I gonna follow your I gonna follow in your footsteps on this one. I'm okay. gonna yeah, I would choose Booker to start, but Walter Davis, after we did the whole Walter Davis like jersey thing, I just yeah. It's a different, you know, it's a different kind of player and just someone that, you know, was more, he's already matured and stuff and had his career with the sun. So you got to see his peak. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to choose him to start. And knowing full well that Booker is going to take this place in probably a season or two. Yeah, definitely. Good question. These are great questions. Again, thank you, Suns Jamsters, for sending those our way. Uh, Matthew, what else you got going on? Anything to plug? Nope, nothing. I don't have any other podcasts to plug or TV okay. shows. I am all good. Any new articles coming out on Valley of the Suns? You know, I did have uh, I did write one about Amin El Hassan, but something that happened to where his story was not credible. It was not the real year or something. So nothing got published on that. So nothing. I know you got one coming out. You want to explain what it's about? Yeah, it's t- talking about what I talked about a little bit earlier uh, on SB Nation right now. It's Rivalry Week which is hard to say, by the way, and I'm glad that I was able to yeah. announce that correctly on the pod because I've had a hard time saying Real it to smooth. other people. Uh, but I'm talking about the Suns and the Kings and how I think that uh-huh. that is a rivalry in the making, especially with Aiton at number one, Bagley at number two. I think it's something that, as, as I mentioned, as the elder statesman right off into the sunset, I think those are two franchises that have an opportunity to kind of uh, take the reins, if you will. So that'll be coming out in the next couple of days. Uh, I also, you mentioned Afterlife on this show. Correct? Oh, yeah. So I've yes. been watching it. Ricky Gervais. It is, Ricky Gervais is unbelievably hysterical. Uh, it is a depressing fucking show, man. It is it sad. Is super sad. Did you finish the whole thing? Uh, I have like 
two or three more episodes to go. Yeah. It's super sad and very funny at the same time. It's crazy yes. how up and down you are with that show, but I've already watched it twice. I'm definitely going to watch it again before this month's over. It's just, it's so good. I love every part of it, every character, everything. It's the perfect 10. Well, I definitely appreciate the recommendation. I'll give it like a six and a half. Okay. I, I like some of the characters. I get what they're trying to do, six but it's, and a half. yeah, I just, it's funny. But man, it's like the sad parts are like really sad. Well, that's that's what makes it good. I guess. Crazy. I guess. The oh, it's because you can't emotion. cry around my sister or your your, <laughs> your wife. You can't you can't cry. That's why it sucks. Oh my god! I gotta, <laughs> See, I gotta go my, walk the dog real quick. Yeah, I'm here in my apartment by myself, so I can cry and eat snacks as much as I want. It's awesome. As long as you leave the clothes at the door, baby. Yeah, leave the clothes at the door. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah so good show but yeah i'm glad you actually got the chance to watch it well i i appreciate the recommendation that's it for this episode of the sun's jam session podcast as per usual don't forget to subscribe rate review don't forget to follow the show on twitter at sun's jam you can follow me on twitter at darth voida you can follow matthew on twitter that is all i have to say have a great night everybody go home and love your family